Praise the Lord. This is Pastor Johnson from Bethel Lady Church. Thank you for downloading our podcast. We are so glad we could connect with you through this podcast. Please ensure you subscribe to receive new messages every week. We pray this podcast builds your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and motivates you to live a life of excellence for the glory of our Lord. Thank you for your support. Enjoy the message. And so since today is the last Sunday of the year and the last Sunday of the month of December where we are learning about Christ our Lord our effort is to learn together on the four facets of the Lord Jesus as given to us from the four screens of the gospels am i okay can we go forward am i communicating okay sure thank you matthew matthew's gospel reveals jesus to a very strong jewish community you know very strong jewish community the great king of the jews he's presenting jesus as the only one who is worthy of the throne of david who will rule eternally his name is jesus he's repeatedly bringing jesus is the greatest prophet jesus is the greatest king jesus is the greatest teacher the word rabbi rabbi you will find that in matthew again and again more than in the other gospels why because he's presenting jesus as the greatest teacher he's saying jewish guys listen up man he is the greatest teacher we could ever have and what is the purpose in matthew's gospel of course to reveal jesus as the savior but he is requesting the jewish people come back into covenant with god through christ jesus come back into relationship with god through the lord jesus christ and he is encouraging them saying listen he is the royal king and you must be humble before him just because he is not coming on a horseback just because there are no chariots and soldiers don't mistake him to be another rabbi he is the royal king of the jewish community that's the message matthew's gospel is presenting about jesus while saying that he is the son of god he is the savior of the world all of that but he is giving it a color which jewish people will specifically enjoy the religious people will enjoy in the bible there is something called the principle of the first mention okay this is a little scholarly stuff so it's like any time in the bible any topic is mentioned for the first time okay it is it is mentioned in a way where you read so much that you understand so much from it it's a principle called the principle of the first mention it is it is a principle not applicable to any other books it's only exclusively about the holy bible and the interpretation of the first mention has got boundaries and it cannot be interpreted widely for example the first time uh, when you open the bible the first verse of the bible is genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and it says in the beginning god created heavens and the earth so interestingly when you read that it is introducing a minimum of three things it's introducing somebody called god it's introducing something called uh, beginning and third it is introducing a material called heaven and earth and then it is placing it interestingly there are three things mentioned there something called beginning something called god and something called things which are heavens and the earth and in that very introduction it is mentioning god comes before beginning it's saying in the beginning god created in other words the beginning was created by god god was there before the beginning everything began after god put it into motion god stands before the beginning god created things and that's how beginning came in other words god stood in eternity and created time god stands before time he stands in something which was before and then he created and the beginning began 
God stands before the beginning and starts the beginning. He stands prior to the beginning and lets the beginning start. In the beginning, God and our God is a creator. See, the minute you read the first verse, you know one thing. This God existed before the beginning. He started the beginning and his nature is, he's a creative God. He's a God who creates things. You know, this, this, this is called the principle of the first mention. Anytime you find something in the Bible mentioned for the first time, you will be able to interpret it in an accurate way in the light of the whole Bible. Okay, this is important. Now, the second verse says, and the uh, Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, in the beginning God created heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and void. And the Spirit of God moved on the waters. All of a sudden, you have the principle of the first mention again. For the first time, Holy Spirit is mentioned in the Bible. Suddenly you realize, even though churches don't talk more about Holy Spirit, we hear more about God the Father, Jesus the Son. But in the Bible, God prefers the Holy Spirit first. God prefers to be seen by his Holy Spirit first. God manifests his Holy Spirit first. The Bible first reveals the Holy Spirit. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void. And the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, in the personality of God, the Holy Spirit is mentioned first. And the Bible says, He was moving on the waters, which suddenly you get the character of the Holy Spirit. He's not some spirit that will be stuck on a dead tomb, not sitting on some tree. He's not some jobless spirit that is sitting in a showcase or contained in a song or an idol or in a church. He is a moving spirit. Constantly moving. Hallelujah. Moving means at work, at work, at work, at work. What's the, what's the difference between air and wind? Air is probably in motion, but wind is in good motion. It's, it's air in movement. Holy Spirit is not stale. He's not stuck. He's not limited. The very beginning introduction of the Holy Spirit, the principle of the first mention is, He's a moving God. If the Holy Spirit is in your life, He's not only moving in your life, sometimes He'll move you also along with Him into the direction that He wants. The principle of the first mention. Amen. The principle of the first mention is very important. And when you study the book of Matthew, as he's representing Christ to the uh, religious world of the Jewish community, and he's expressing Christ, the Savior of the world, in such strong words, he's very careful when he chooses to record the first words of Jesus. The first words of Jesus are very important. Okay, this is the first words of Jesus recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. Mark recorded other words as the first words of Jesus in his book. Why? Because each one is representing Christ in a different way. They don't say that these are the first words of Christ. But when you read the four books, you realize that four of them have chosen four different lines as the first words they recorded from what the Lord had spoken. Okay, obviously the first words that Jesus spoke was as a child, which is not recorded in the Bible anyways. Okay, so the first words, what did Matthew record about the Lord speaking? It's in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 15. Are you all learning something today? Okay, Matthew chapter 3 and verse 15. Let's read together. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness, then he suffered it. When you read this, you will feel both were suffering. It's not that, it is old English. Suffering means allow. This is old English. Suffer means uh, allow, permit, endeavor, uh, endure, you know, those kind of effort. That's the meaning. It's not like somebody was suffering, no. What happened? What is the context? The Lord Jesus had a cousin brother, not really a full cousin, because Jesus was not born through a marriage. He was born through the virgin birth. But yet through Mary's relative, 
John was a, let's say, half cousin of Jesus. Okay? So, uh, a distant cousin of Jesus. John is supposed to be a priest in the temple. Why? Because John's father was a priest in the temple. It's similar to Indian caste system. Not exactly the same, but similar. In the Jewish community, a Levite's child has to be a Levite. If your father was a priest, you don't have a choice. You have to be a priest. So, John was supposed to be a priest because his father was a priest. But what happened? The Holy Spirit came on John and he became a prophet. A priest is in the temple, prophet is in the streets. Okay. Now this fellow being a prophet of God, instead of being in the streets of Israel, he went into the deserts of Judea, a part of Israel. And there is a river called Jordan River. You know, I was so excited to go to Israel and baptize in Jordan River because Jesus was baptized there. I, I counted it a privilege to go there and baptize somebody. So when I went there and I put my feet inside, I knew in a fraction of a moment, I made a bad choice. It was freezing cold. I wanted to somehow, I couldn't do anything because people were there ready for baptism. I had to baptize. It was, you know, the snow in the Mount Hermon melts and it flows into the river Jordan. That's how Jordan is formed. From the ice caps of Mount Hermon, the ice snow melts and it flows and that is the river Jordan. And it separates Israel and the country of Jordan. That's the boundary. And then it flows into the Sea of Galilee and then it flows into the Dead Sea. That's where it ends. It doesn't go into the ocean. So, this water is chill cold, especially if you go in cold weather, no, oh, it's bad. It's really cold, okay? Sunday morning when I talk of cold in December, yeah, it feels, right? This is, when I put my feet inside, I just knew it was a bad decision. And I've never conducted such speedy baptisms. <laughs> and nobody has taken such short time to get baptized. Even people were like too quick. It was so freezing cold. It is cold. They quickly got baptized and they went out. Now, John the Baptist is standing in the river Jordan in that cold water and is baptizing people. See, now you will understand why he was always in a bad mood. You remember when people came to be baptized, he would say, you son of vipers who asked you to come, go man, go to hell. You remember? Cold water. <laughs> well, that was exaggeration. He was, he was preaching strongly because as a prophet, he felt the burden of human sin and he was preaching against it and that was one reason why he spoke so vehemently. So the Bible says, and this man uh, John, the prophet of God, he stood there and prophesied and he started baptizing people. And, as, and you know, from where all people came. See, when we talk of baptism, baptism, people have an imagination like church has a baptism tank. Something was there in Jordan. No. Today, if you go to Jordan, in the tourist place, they have railings for you to hold and get into the water. There are steps in the river for you to get into the water. But that time, there was nothing. It was not a tourist spot, you know. Uh, there are parts of uh, Jordan even today uh, where it's not tourist spot. Of course, they want allow public to go there. If you put your feet inside, you know, it's, it's doubtful you'll come out alive because it's pretty deep and the waters are very muddy. You know, these are all 5,000-year-old rivers, 3,000-year-old rivers. They are old rivers. I mean, every river is old that way. But the point I'm making is these are not rivers that are developed with civilizations. These are... Rivers that have been untouched, more pristine. So there are areas which are touched by uh, tourism. Now, Jesus, our Lord, is supposed to get baptized there. So John is baptizing in that kind of a facility, which is very, very funny. It's not, not developed. He's standing there and baptizing people. And people from where they are coming? From Jerusalem, about 60 kilometers, 80 kilometers. That's like going to Kolar. Now imagine walking to Kolar. Three days journey, two days journey. If you're going walking, you know, about two to three days journey. 
So people are walking that distance or taking a donkey ride or a horse ride, whatever, and they're walking all the way there to get baptized. And is there any welcome group with soda and bislery? No, nothing. You know, you don't know whether you'll get food on the way. It's, it's, a, it's not like, like a very hygienic condition. But people are coming there, repenting of their sin and receiving baptism. That's one day when John the Baptist, he sees Jesus coming. See, John the Baptist is already an interesting paradigm. His father is a priest in the temple and he's given up that and he's become a prophet in the wilderness. Okay, so it's like already a very big uh, distinction. So people are really impressed with John because he's given up the luxury of the temple and he's taken up the pain of being in the wilderness. So people value him. One day while he's baptizing, he sees Jesus coming. When he sees Jesus coming, he recognizes Jesus. Interesting, no? You know, anointed people can recognize each other. Yeah, even in a large church, okay? When one prayer warrior sees another prayer warrior, in the spirit they connect. I don't know how to explain this. When one worshipper sees another worshipper, one connection will be there. Don't get married to that person, okay? Just connection will be there. There will be one, one I don't know what to say, one familiar spirit. You know, when one uh, giver, uh, a donor, when one person who likes to give meets another person who likes to give, one connection is there. When one who likes to serve meets, an, they can identify. They can, even in a large crowd, they, they can make out who's got a heart. Hearts connect. <laughs> Similarly, one gossiper will find another gossiper. It's a <laughs> automatic. It, it happens. Now, I'm not saying that friendships can determine who you are. No, I'm not saying that. Sometimes good people can have bad friends by mistake. Those things do happen. But generally, one will find another of its own kind. When Jesus was coming into the water to be baptized, John recognized Jesus. Because John is anointed by the Holy Spirit, Jesus was born by the Holy Spirit and they connected. John looked at Jesus and said, you, Jesus, the son of God. Oh, man, you've come to be baptized. I can't baptize you. I can't because you are so holy. You know, even a great preacher, a great prophet, when they see Jesus, they suddenly realize they are nothing. He is the holy son of God. He is the almighty. He is the great one. Suddenly he says, I cannot baptize you. See, Jesus never even said, I've come for baptism. John understood he's come for baptism. I can't baptize you. I'm not worthy even to polish your shoe. Polish your shoe is my language. In the Bible is written, John said, I'm not even worthy to tighten your shoelace. I'm not worthy even to loosen your shoelace. That's what John the Baptist said. I'm not worthy even to touch your feet. <laughs> Then Jesus told John, suffer it to be so now, which means allow it to be so now, for thus it becometh for us to fulfill the righteousness of God. What was the Lord Jesus saying? Hey, listen, John, you are sent by my father. I am sent by my father. You and me have one thing in common. We are sent by God. And you cannot stop me. Why? You have come to do your work. I have come to do my work. My work is to save the world. Your work is to baptize people to repentance. Now, I want to fulfill the righteousness of God. You know what? If there is one person who don't have to be baptized in the world, it was Jesus. No need to be baptized. But Jesus said something interesting. He said, I want to fulfill the righteousness. See, there are two kinds of righteousness. One is a gift of righteousness. What God gives us as a gift. You cannot earn that. It is received and not earned. It is something God gives us saying, I give it to you. I'm giving it to you. You know, that's something we receive. Like Padma Bhushan awards. Like uh, some other awards are there, no? It's not something you achieve. It's something that is given to you. You know, even in army, they have posthumous awards. Even though a person is dead and gone, then they will give Parambir Chakra award because that person had done great things and for the nation to remember their award. 
right? So God awards a title. God awards a position. God awards a certain kind of grace. It's called righteousness. When you believe in Jesus, he says, now you're righteous. Not that you have changed. Some people become righteous only after they die. Then the Catholic bishop has to write to the Pope saying, declare this fellow a saint who died. Then the Pope will consider the whole story and they will say, all right, now that person is canonized and that person has become a saint. Then they will call that person a saint. This is the uh, Catholic ecclesiastical if I said it right, uh, order of uh, canonizing a person. It's there even in Protestant circles, not only in the Catholic. But uh, do you know what? Even before you die, even before you have been pronounced a saint by the Pope or by the Metropolita or by whoever, depending on the denomination, do you know you're already called a saint by God Almighty? Some got a shock, no? Yeah, you are alive, you can check your pulse, but God already calls you a saint. Why? Because the moment you are washed by the blood of Jesus, he calls you a saint. Wow. What's your name? Sit, sit, Arun. Sit. Your name is Arun. How old are you? 18. It's hard to believe you are a saint, but in God's eyes, Arun, you are Saint Arun. Difficult to believe, no? Even I had difficulty. But that is where I decided to believe the Bible, not myself. I realized I shouldn't believe myself. I should believe the Bible. If God calls me a saint, it's because I am a saint. He will not make a mistake. God will not make a mistake. I can make a mistake. He won't. If he called me a saint, it is because he's made me a saint. Somehow I am a saint in his definition. Now I have a responsibility. So one is the gift of righteousness. For those who believe in Christ, God gives them the gift of righteousness. Now I have a responsibility. It is, I should live up to that righteousness. I should have a lifestyle that honors that righteousness. So now I should do actions of righteousness. I should, and what righteousness? Not righteousness according to social media standards. Not righteousness according to democratic standards. Not righteousness according to Pentecostal standards or Catholic standards or Protestant standards. But righteous according to the standards of the Holy Bible. That is the righteous standard that God wants. Don't have to add to it. Don't have to subtract from it. Am I helping anybody here? So there are two kinds of righteousness. One is what we are gifted by God. That is a position that God has given us. I conducted somebody's marriage. Uh, no, engagement. Virtual engagement. Boy was in Australia. Girl was, uh, I don't remember, was it UK or US? Somewhere they were. Family was somewhere in Europe. I was in Bangalore. <laughs> and COVID was in between all of us. So they went on Zoom. Okay. And they decided, Pastor, you only have to conduct our engagement. Okay. We were baptized in Bethel AJ Church. You did our housewarming. One of the interesting things is, 25 years ago, Babies that I dedicated, was a 21-year-old boy that time. The babies that I dedicated grew up, got married, I conducted their marriage. Their babies I'm dedicating. <laughs> Interesting, no? <laughs> I feel like a grandfather sometimes. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing to stay in the same place and meet generations of people and watch life as it happens, you know. And uh, honestly, I tell you, it's a beautiful life when you get to serve the Lord and, and watch people's lives being blessed and changed and how things happen over time. And so sometimes when young people or old people say things to me, I really wish, you know, they could journey with me in life and, and look at life from a larger perspective and they'll realize the goodness of God. Sometimes uh, when we look at it in a short way, uh, we have confusions. Is God being good? Is everything fine? But when you look at the longer picture, 
you realize god's faithfulness you know some kids suddenly got some success and suddenly missing from church then after 3 months they come and say pastor i'm sorry but you know i just purchased the house i was busy how old are you i'm 26 pastor ha ah, very good i'm 30 pastor i just picked my second house he doesn't know when his mother was a teenager or a you know just married or whatever how she would cry and pray saying we are from a poor home we have nobody you know only god can help us why are we like this and i would pray with such families today their generations are so blessed and they don't understand what their parents had with god and and when i look at the larger view i say man god is really faithful you know his faithfulness is really amazing yeah absolutely absolutely the other day one lady was dying she was actually dying in the hospital she called me she said i just want you to know i'm dying and she cried so i told her you finish crying she said yeah so i told her now that you finish crying listen you won't die i told her i've got bad news for you she asked what i said you won't die i told her it's bad news for you because you are prepared to die so she said no 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 i know it's over i said it's not over because you used to fast and pray god spoke something to you now he will fulfill it you can't die before that unless you and god have some plan to change the plan she said no i know such plan i said then you are coming out correctly she came out then after that there was a housewarming in the housewarming i told her looks like some promises to you are fulfilled she looked at me saying so what i'll die now i said i didn't say that i didn't say that i'm just saying something god promised you is being fulfilled she said there are more promises i said okay you know i'm not saying you will die all i know is this one thing after watching life pass i have learned one thing god is faithful to his word absolutely god is faithful to his word amen only thing we should not violate our end of the contract and 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 spoil god's plan that we shouldn't do okay so uh, jesus our lord let's get back to the text jesus our lord is standing there and he's saying i want to fulfill the righteousness of following god's plan now in other words jesus is saying look as god i kept some rules now that i have become human i want to fulfill those rules now some people say why should i be baptized as a child i was already baptized now i want to tell you do you know your baptism is nothing compared to jesus because at the age of 8 days jesus as a child was taken to the temple and he had the better baptism called circumcision this was the original baptism child baptism then jesus came to john and said i am not protestant or catholic i am son of god i have to obey the righteousness and he got baptized so now you decide is infant baptism enough pastor i don't know maybe you know more than jesus but jesus who had done infant baptism according to the meaning of infant baptism which is circumcision that jesus got baptized because he wanted to fulfill the righteousness of god not the tradition of church according to tradition of church circumcision is enough but according to righteousness of god baptism unto repentance am i helping anyone okay i i thought your silence was meaningful so let's look at that scripture one more time can you put it up i want to show you something there thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness and then it then he suffered him you see the word all righteousness all that all is very important some people fulfill some righteousness no we need to do one by one fulfill all thank you fulfill all righteousness and god will enable us to do that there is nothing to worry and then the holy spirit came upon jesus amen so in matthew's gospel jesus is presented as the savior who is the royal king and the greatest prophet amen let's jump because my time is running out let's jump to the gospel of mark 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 was not a direct disciple of jesus 
Matthew was a direct disciple. He ate with Jesus, walked with Jesus, lived with Jesus, saw Jesus. You know, he was uh, one of the disciples. Mark was not. Mark was a contemporary of Jesus, which means he lived during the times of Jesus and watched Jesus from a distance. He did not follow Jesus directly. He saw from the second level, third level. But he became, Mark became a disciple of Peter. He became a disciple of Peter. Peter was the mentor and Mark was the mentee. Peter was the leader and Mark was the follower. So whatever Mark saw Jesus do from a distance, through Peter, he learnt the personal details. He learnt the intricate details. And then the Holy Spirit told Mark to write down. And so Jesus in Mark's gospel is presented more as a healer, a miracle worker, a teacher. And when you study Matthew's gospel, Luke's gospel and John's gospel, you will find they give elaborate chapters on the teachings of Jesus. For example, Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7, the, what is famously called the Beatitudes of Jesus. In fact, it's so famous, even Gandhiji, the father of our nation, used to say that the most profound impact a passage ever had on his life was the passage of the teachings of the Lord Jesus, he used to say that, you know, he used to say Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7 have sort of guided his conscience of, of even resistance against the British for the independence of India. Great teachings of the Lord is recorded in Matthew, Luke and John. In the gospel of Mark, much teachings are not there. It's there, but very less. Mark was in a hurry more than teaching what Jesus said, he was explaining what Jesus did. The miracles of Jesus, the things that Jesus touched and did, that was the focus of Mark as he was presenting Christ as a suffering servant, a servant who suffered. Constantly in the gospel of Mark, you will find the sufferings of Jesus. Peter was so touched by the sufferings of Jesus that he sort of passed it on to Mark saying, Mark, you saw Jesus suffering? This is what it was and started to explain to Mark and the Holy Spirit had Mark writing it down. He was Peter's companion in journeys and travels. In fact, when he wrote down the first words of Jesus, as he mentions, it is in Mark chapter 1 verse 15. And it says, and Jesus came saying, let's read together, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe. You see, straight into action. Straight into action. So Mark is presenting Jesus saying, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is already here. And how do you enter the kingdom of God? To enter into a software company, you need that access card. To enter into a club, you need membership. To enter into a family, you need the, you know, family membership. <laughs> to enter anywhere, you need money or access or whatever. How do you enter the kingdom of God? Church membership will not give you kingdom of God entrance. Relationship with a bishop or a priest or someone praying for you will not give you entrance into the kingdom of God. Entrance into kingdom of God comes through two things. Believe in the name of Jesus. Let's read that again. Put it up again, please. Kingdom of God is at hand. Therefore, repent and believe. Two things. Repent. What is the meaning of the word repent? Repent means to turn from what is wrong and turn to what is right. This is not wrong. That is not right. That's not my point. But turn from what is wrong according to the word of God and turn to what is right according to the word of God. That is called repentance. Repentance is not just saying, Lord, I'm sorry if I, if I was wrong, I don't know, but I'm likely to repeat it again. Sorry for tomorrow, anticipatory bail. That works in your sessions court in judiciary. It doesn't work with God. Repentance means I am turning from what was wrong and I'm turning to what God calls as correct. My life is having a U-turn change. That is repentance. Some people, they don't turn 180 degrees. They turn only 10 degrees, 20 degrees. 
you know little of the world little of the lord and somewhere they are going you are not entering kingdom of god you may have entered a church but to enter the kingdom of god there has to be something called repentance does it mean i won't sin again no it means you will sin again but it means you don't have a desire to sin again it means you will make occasional mistakes but your desire is to serve god but pastor sometimes i desire sin also yeah that is because you are a human being if such desire is not there check your shoulder wings must be growing <laughs> as long as you have a functioning brain you will have sinful desires because there is sin in human body however the decision to turn away from it and to walk in the will of god is the first key to live in the kingdom of god second is to believe in the gospel what is the meaning of the word gospel gospel means good news some people think it means go and spell go and cast a spell no 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 gospel means good news it's old english gospel is an old english the word is old english it means good news believe in the good news amen everyone is saying future is going to be bad that is bad news believe in the good news of jesus that is gospel hmm many people are finding it hard to say amen why because you are addicted to the republic tv i'm not against it now that i'm i for it you are addicted to times now you are addicted to hindustan times or whatever news media channels you are addicted to social media you have forgotten who you are because you are on youtube get out of the tube you are not meant to be in a tube <laughs> get out of the facebook why your name is written in a better book called the book of the lamb don't worry about where you are in the facebook be more concerned about your name in the lamb's book of life amen, amen. good news believe in the good word of god during the whole crisis i kept preaching the word of god do not fear don't be anxious you know the lord is with you i kept preaching god's word and sometimes my own mind would tell me people are going through such pain what nonsense you are preaching and i would tell myself shut up johnson the pulpit is not for your opinion the pulpit is to preach god's opinion it is not your idea it's god's idea many times i had to slap myself to behave and say no stick to the word of god don't get affected by all this news be affected by the good news and we saw miracles and healings and lives changing did bad happen yes it happened why i don't know even you don't know but good happened why because he lives and he is able amen hallelujah third book is called the book of luke no time so i'm running out luke luke reveals jesus more as a perfect man a human who was so perfect no human can be perfect like him of course luke says he is the son of god and all of that but luke's audience was the gentile people the non jewish people mark's audience was suffering jewish people who were suffering jewish and gentile people who were put under persecution by the romans for believing in jesus that was his audience so he presented christ as a suffering savior hey don't worry guys even jesus suffered that was mark's attitude but when it comes to luke he's saying hey gentiles you greeks you want to be perfect watch this guy he's perfect his name is jesus so luke is presenting jesus as the perfect man and he's explaining to the non jewish people that look at jesus he's merciful he's compassionate he's a prayerful teacher and in luke's gospel you will find something little extra like uh, how we say no uh, muslim food has little more ghee and oil than non muslim food i know you have to act innocent but you know what i'm saying right uh they have a way of if you eat muslim biryani it has got a taste i stopped eating but 
now I don't eat because of some things I saw. I thought, man, I'll... I called one Muslim person and I asked, is it true? Is it written like this that uh, your imam or someone has to spit in the food or something like that? He said, I don't want to talk about it. I said, just say no. He said, I don't want to talk. Then I thought, okay, I'll be careful. I won't get into all these kind of unhygienic things. But, but Muslim food is very tasty. My neighbors used to cook Muslim food. And uh, when their Ramzan and all comes, no, we used to prayerfully wait. Uh, yeah, yeah. It is so tasty. Those days I didn't know all these things. So I used to prayerfully wait because I used to pray that if there is any wrong influence, cleanse it, Lord. But food should come because it is... <laughs> when my mom makes biryani, it is very tasty. But she won't pour so much ghee. Mutton quantity will be very less. You know. <laughs> it is... <laughs> But those people, they cook really nice. And they were very good friends. We had a very, very friendly neighbors, the Muslim people, at one point in my life. They were very close to me because they know my dad won't allow me to watch TV. Okay. So Ayub was the name of the boy. I used to tell Ayub, in your house, the TV is there. I want to watch. Those days, there was a show called Johnny and his giant Robert, something like that. Yeah, some of you will know what I'm talking. So it used to come on Tuesday evening just before Bible study. And uh, uh, dad would say, put the mat, clean the church. And I'm like, Johnny is going on there, you know, giant Robert and I have to clean the church. So I would, when I come from school only, I'll clean everything. I'll clean everything, keep everything ready. And my mom would be like, why are you doing that? No, no, if someone comes early, let it be ready. <laughs> and I used to, <laughs> I used to tell Ayub, Ayub, your door, no, leave it little open. So from this angle I can see, from my house, I can see their TV. So he has to leave it little open. Then in Bible study, I would say, Lord, forgive me for washing TV and just cleanse it. Then, <laughs> hmm, so, all rice items are the same, but when different people cook it, different communities, different uh, cooking patterns, I love Jain food. Jain food is beautiful. Uh, it's some of our people in the church come from Jain community, and when they it's fully vegetarian food, and they don't use many uh, things which are common, but it's so tasty. I tell you, I don't know how they cook it. It's so beautiful. And, uh, and no meats, no so many spices that we use. They don't use. But it is so beautiful. It is just fantastic. I love it. It's the same stuff, but different people make it differently. Similarly, Luke is also presenting the same Jesus. But there is an added edge. You know, towards what? When you study Luke's book, you will find that Jesus, who is giving special care for the poor, for the woman, and for the Gentiles. Three things. For the poor, for the woman. In the other Gospels, woman's status is a little different. But in Luke's Gospel, there is an emphasis about how Jesus gave woman preference. And the men did not say, Amen. <laughs> and the Gentiles. You know, the Jewish people had this thing about we are Jews, Jews. And Luke had a way of showing that Jesus cared for the non-Jewish people just like he cared for the Jewish people. And Jewish fellows, you are not right when you think Jesus came only for you. He came even for the Gentiles and how he loved the Gentiles. And many times you will find in Luke's gospel, Jesus appreciating non-Jewish people in comparison to Jewish people, making statements like, I have not seen such faith in Israel. No one among the Jews have done this to me. He would make such statements. Especially to the woman, he would say things very interesting, which men didn't like. Okay, what is the first statement Jesus, uh, what is the first statement Luke recorded that Jesus made? Luke chapter 2 verse 49. Oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, Luke was also not a direct disciple of Jesus. Excuse me. He was not a direct disciple of Jesus. He was a follower of Jesus from a distance and later became a traveling companion of Apostle Paul. 
in the missionary journeys and from paul he learned and understood all what he saw from a distance about jesus and wrote so he had a mixture of paul's explanation and what he saw from christ's life and he put it together and probably that's why in luke's gospel there is a emphasis on social justice which is not there much in other gospels okay let's read luke 249 how is it that you sought me jesus asked them did you not know that i must be about my first words of jesus recorded in luke it's not the first words of jesus but the first words recorded in luke about jesus statement is this one jesus is asking his parents how old is jesus that time 12 years old is asking his parents didn't you know i'm supposed to do my father's business what was the reason luke mentioned that luke is trying to show the jewish people one simple thing guys jesus did not bow down to jewish traditions because in jewish tradition you will only do your father's business but in the gentile tradition a child can choose their own destiny and so luke is very beautifully showing jesus was born in a jewish family but he did not cultivate jewish culture because he had a greater father than joseph and mary and he was faithful to his heavenly father and he questioned to a point he questioned he went to the point of questioning his earthly parents saying Don't you know I should pay respect to my heavenly father it speaks volumes by the principle of the first mention in the holy scripture i want to conclude because i'm 2 minutes late john gospel of john written by the disciple john he was the most close to jesus jesus gang had 70 people there were actually 120 then a smaller group of 70 and then among that 12 were the core group inner gang inner circle in that 12 there were three fellows who were closer these three were the privileged class out of that there was one who was best friend see you can decide where you want do you want to be a part of their 120 70 but those who love christ so much they want to break every circle and come right to the middle and john was that <laughs> john was not that once a month in communion sunday i'll come jesus now that is that 5000 crowd that come to break bread <laughs> such people are there you also come no problem but try to get closer to jesus what about other amens <laughs> try to get closer to jesus john broke he was a youngest fellow and he knew the jesus mood he knew what mood jesus is so many times when disciple want to ask tough questions they don't ask jesus directly they tell john ask no because they know if they ask jesus will give strong answer but if john ask okay parents no i have seen not all parents some parents i have seen particularly one i was talking his phone rang he cut the line and he said it's my son didn't take the call is a older man his sons are uh, son and daughter are studying in the hostel he just cut the line and he was talking to me i said no take the call he said no no pastor he just wants money <laughs> his daughter called after a few minutes he tells me pastor one minute yeah 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 then he says i asked money she he said no 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 she no she loves love father can't avoid the call that was john is is not that pentecostal type faster i'm fasting 3 days why job no not that kind <laughs> that at least like that you fast that's not bad but fast and pray but john was out of love he it's not it's not like i want something i want you i want to be with you he was close to jesus and when he wrote the gospel of jesus his aim was one thing for jews and non-jews he had one thing in mind Jesus is the son of God the divine who became human he was the you know i think in indian context it is so accurate john's gospel because in india we believe everything began from om i remember in my sanskrit class my sanskrit teacher used to say nobody can pronounce it correctly except the gods 
Everything was created from Om. He, he was teaching in Sanskrit some of the things. And I was learning that. I came back to the Bible study and that, that, that month or something, the Bible study was from John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Hallelujah. And I sometimes feel the gospel of John is so very contextual for India because so much of traditional values is explained in the gospel of John at how that invisible power, that almighty great became a human in the womb of a lady and appeared amongst us and lived amongst us. And he died on the cross for us. John is revealing that this Jesus is not just a rabbi. He's not just a prophet. He is God who became human. He is the son of the living God. Oh, hallelujah. Only, only John's gospel, I have not taken the first words recorded about Jesus. But I've taken the most popular verse from the gospel of John. The most popular verse, John 3.16. Let's read. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have. You say the word should not perish. Who will not perish? People with money may perish. People without money may perish. People with health may perish. People without health may perish. But all who believe in him, those who received him shall not perish. Hallelujah. I tell you, in the name of Jesus, my brother, my sister, I don't care what your financial condition is. I don't care what your health condition is. It doesn't matter what your family condition is. But because you're a believer in Jesus, you will not perish. Your family will not perish. Your future will not perish. Your life will not perish. Your business will not perish. Your career will not perish. Heaven and earth may pass away, but the word of God, it will not pass away. You will not perish. You will not. Oh, go ahead. Give the Lord a mighty hand. You will not perish. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's close our eyes. Heavenly Father, this beautiful morning, even in the paucity of time, we come to you with thanksgiving. Thanking you that those who trust in you will not perish. Even though we may go through troubles and it looks like we are going to be defeated and it looks like failures are strong. We want to thank you that we will not perish. Those who believe in you will not perish, but will walk in everlasting life. You will walk in the life of your abundance and grace. We thank you, Father, for the facets of Christ revealed in your Gospels. How beautiful, Lord, that the infinite wisdom of your greatness was so condensed in the humanity of Christ. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray and the people said, Amen. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. I believe that you are blessed. Please connect with us for prayer or counseling. Please do call us or visit our website or visit us. The details are given in the description. We'll be glad to serve you. Do subscribe so you can receive the latest podcast to encourage you in your journey in Christ. Please do share it with your friends too by clicking the share button. We are praying for you. God has great plans for your life. Thanks again for participating, listening. God bless you.